<laughs> Hello, kitties. It's your old pal, John Cusier, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And tonight, I'd like to introduce all of you creeps to the Crypt Keeper's podcast, hosted by Spooky Bruce and Horror Ryan. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs> All right. So are you ready to get started? Yes, I am. Now that we've talked for an hour about comic books. <laughs> I mean, that's what we do. Yeah. Uh, okay. Hello, boils, ghouls, and non-binary fiends. This is the Crypt Keepers. I'm one of the hosts, Spooky Bruce. Joining me as always... Sorry. Joining me as always is the driver who spilled the mutagen in Ninja Turtles, Horror Ryan. And the one who blinded Daredevil. And the one who blinded Daredevil, yeah. Son of a bitch. Hey, hey, you're the unsung hero of those stories. Wow. Yeah. Hell yeah. Just, you know, just like the guy who killed Batman's parents are the unsung hero of that story. I never looked at it that way. We wouldn't have Batman. Jeez. We wouldn't have the Ninja Turtles or uh, Daredevil, if not for you. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't have me without you. Oh, thank mm. you. I'm making a heart. <laughs> ding. Ding. Uh, so tell everyone what kind of show this is. This is The Crypt Keepers, a podcast where we analyze episodes of the horror anthology series Tales from the Crypt and the EC books that inspired them. This week, we're taking a look at the final episode of season three, Yellow, based on a song from Coldplay's double platinum album, Parachutes. I looked up at you being like, you're wrong. It's not a song. <laughs> Nice. That was really well done. <laughs> Actually, it's from Shock Suspense Stories, number one. Number one. Number one. Yeah. yeah the very first hey, one. We're done with season three. We're done with season three. And it's a weird way to end it. Listen. Because this is not a Tales from the Crypt episode. It is not. This is actually a pilot for another TV series. What? Yes. That that I don't know. Yes. This was one of three stories shot for the pilot of a TV series by the same producers called Two-Fisted Tales. Oh. Which is supposed to be adventure and action stories. Wow, I yeah. didn't know that. But the pilot was not picked up, so they uh, used this one and another one for Tales from the Crypt. So they filmed this whole they thing. They filmed the whole thing. With the, so all the actors had the intention of mm-hmm. being on this other yes. show. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. And wow. so it's this one. I don't remember the second one were used from Tales from the Crypt plots. Yeah. And then they released them all as like a direct-to-video uh, movie. That's insane. Yeah. I had yeah. no clue. Mm-hmm. I will say, uh, we talked about it before we hit record, but uh, the last episode, we had great fun with yeah. one of the funniest episodes with Spoiled. Mm-hmm. And we did, I think we mentioned at the end of that episode that we're going to take a hard right turn. Yes. <laughs> um, and I just thought it should be known that there is some content warning. There mm-hmm. is uh, discussion of suicide Yes, uh, in the story, and it's a, it's a war drama. Yes. So... You know, it's pretty, it's not, I don't think it's a hard, like, gold star no, episode, absolutely but, not. but there is some kind of sensitive it is, material. And, and some of the backstory to it is a bit sad. Yes. Maybe. But, yeah, yeah, we're all about to have a big sad. Yeah. So I would suggest if you get real sad at the end of this, just go back and listen to the previous episode, Spoiled, to level yourself out. I I was describing this to Grace earlier today. And I got to the twist at the end, and she, yeah, and she took a pause and goes, "That's rough. It's rough." <laughs> yeah, I would, I, that maybe that to your point about it being a, a completely separate production. Yeah, is 
that this feels like its own story. Mm-hmm. There's no cleverness. No. No haha. There is puns. some kind of dark gallows humor at the beginning. By our man? By our man, yes. yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we'll, I laugh we'll real hard. It. Yeah. <laughs> I laugh real hard. Um, but otherwise, it is, it's straight. Well, it's we're going to try to make this as entertaining it's not as possible. Play, it's not campy. It's not campy at all. It is just, it's a straight war story. It's well done. It's very well done, yes. But get ready to have yourself a sad. If you yeah. like Park Chan Wook movies like Old Boy, <laughs> you're going to feel right at home. Um. Oh, I got to say. Oh, you know um, what? You know, we were talking about uh, that Superman and Lois show. Yeah. They had a um, an homage to the hallway scene. An old boy. Really? In one episode, yeah. There was something we watched recently. I think it was like a cartoon. I can't exactly remember what it was, but it was we were watching a movie with uh, Natalie Son Dylan, mm-hmm. and they, sh- they on the in the background of a of a no, it was the new Animaniacs. Okay, yeah. Okay, glad I remembered it. So yeah. we so Dylan was like, "Hey, there's a new Animaniacs uh, cartoon that's yeah. out. You want to mm-hmm. watch it?" And we're like, "Yeah, sure. We'll watch a couple episodes." In one of the very first episodes. They reference old boy <laughs> and how bad the remake of was it. Wow. Of was it. Of was how it? bad the remake of it was. <laughs> and I'm like, is that an old boy reference in Animaniacs? And that was like, I think so. I'm like, the fucking rules. Have have I ever told you my favorite Animaniacs joke? No. No, okay. So uh they are trying to solve some mystery or something, right? right? And they're like, We gotta find Prince. And Prince. so Prince. Okay. Yeah, we got to find Prince. And so Dot says, I found him and is holding Prince. The actual The prince. actual Prince. The Minnesota Prince. Minnesota Prince. Yes. yes. Purple Rain Prince. Right. <laughs> Purple Rain Prince. And and one of her brothers goes, no, no, no. Fingerprints. And Prince looks at her and wiggles his eyebrows. And she goes, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> you dirty dog. And that was from the 90s cartoon, not the more recent one. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it's kind of funny if you look back at the old cartoons, how much um, dirty humor mm-hmm. was slid in. That's oh, what yeah. She said. Yeah. Um, but you don't really get it. Yeah. Like, it took me a while to be like, Bikini Bottom. Yeah. Sandy Cheeks. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know why it's called Bikini Bottom? No. So that's where Bikini Atoll is where the first hydrogen bomb was detonated. So is that is that why that's that why all, all those animals? Mutated? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love that. There's this like lore to SpongeBob. <laughs> right, that's great. Um, I, um, Man, see. we are all over the place. We are. We are. We, I I made a reference to you made a reference to Old Boy, and we ended up at SpongeBob. Listen, they know us by now. <laughs> you, you listeners, you get it. Um, I did want to say recent things that I've watched. Uh, me and Natalie did watch the new Scream mm-hmm. movie. Um, we thought it was fun. It was yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, with Scream, it's kind of like you know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, I've it heard is what it's it is. a lot like, or it feels a lot like Ready or Not. Yes. It's by the same director. Yeah. Yeah. And there, yeah, there's. Um, same flavor mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I love Ready or Not. Yes, yeah. I do too. It's so good. Um, another movie I watch because I always try to find like hidden gems. Mm-hmm. There is a erotic vampire story <laughs> from. They're all erotic, it's, right? Right? Why did I say yeah. that? Um, from the seventies, early seventies, okay. called Daughters of Darkness. Oh yes, and I fucking love it. Yes, with the twins. Yes, yes, and. I absolute. Oh wait, wait, you're talking about Twins of Evil. 
Oh, is that those not the same movie? No, I always thought they the were. The Daughters of Darkness. I think is a German or French film, but it's. I mean, it's in English. Okay. Um, I highly recommend. It. I think it's from like 1971, and uh, it's. It takes a bit of a twist at the end. Oh it, wait, is this is this the one where I think I've seen this? Is this the one where uh, one of the sisters is a vampire, one isn't, and they kind of lower men in? No. Oh, okay. No, well, then it's a story I have of a no um, a honeymooning couple uh-huh. going to a Belgian hotel. Yeah, as but you during do. the winter, mm-hmm. and so it's empty. Okay. Until a countess named Bathory oh. shows up with her assistant, hmm. and uh, fireworks and blood abound. <laughs> Flow floweth. Um, um, it was really good. I highly recommend that. Wow. Okay. So I always thought that was the same movie. No, no, huh. no. Twins hmm. of Evil, I think, is what you're talking about. Where the two, I am definitely talking about Twins of Evil. Yeah, which is a hammer movie, In- which is really good. So, are you yellow? Uh, I ain't yellow. You ain't? No. You ain't a coward. I ain't a coward. Damn. <laughs> damn. Da- damn. Damn. God damn. 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 <laughs> I'm glad. You, I'm glad. I'm so happy that you mentioned that. We'll get to that. In we'll a get to that in a moment. So you're ready to get, to get into this. Let's do it. All right. This is yellow. This is episode 14. Because I, I didn't write it down. Mm-hmm. I just wrote the final episode. Mm-hmm. Episode 14 of season three, the final episode, directed by Robert Zemeckis, written by Gilbert Adler and L.A. Katz. Starring Eric Douglas, Kirk Douglas, Lance Hendrickson, and Dan Aykroyd. After a disastrous charge sometime during World War I, a sergeant named Ripper is forced to tell a general that the general's own cowardly son ordered their retreat. Ripper goes on to tell the general that his son, Lieutenant Calthrop, is called Yellow by his own men. When confronted, Lieutenant Calthrop admits he wants no part in the war and asks to be sent to the rear. The general tells Calthrop if he can complete a scouting mission to the German lines, he'll get his wish. However, Calthrop's cowardice leads to his own men being ambushed and killed, including Ripper. The general, the general court-martials his son, sentencing him to face the firing squad. Before the execution, the general tells Calthrop he has a plan for his son to escape death, but the general may have his own plan to prove to everyone that his son is brave after all. Dun, dun, dun. dun. They get the standard dun dun dun. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have a sad. Yeah, we're going to have a sad. So, this was directed by Robert Zemeckis. Originally, I read it was supposed to be uh, Spielberg. Really? But the deal fell through. Oh, that's cool. For whatever reason. Uh, so, Zemeckis, he's. I think we have talked about him before, but I don't remember. So, we have like Romancing the Stone, Back to the Future um, episodes or. Yeah, episodes of uh, Amazing Stories, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the the Back to the Future sequels, Death Becomes Her, Forrest Gump, Castaway, you know, anything with Tom Hanks, it seems. Yeah. (laughs) Back Uh, in the day. And he's one of the executive producers of Dallas and the Crypt. Yes, he is. Uh, Flight, uh, the more recent Witches, there's uh, Pinocchio that he made, that he directed recently. I don't think it's the same one as the uh, Guillermo del Toro. Pinocchio but so. yeah that's what I mean he's been he's been involved in a ton of stuff especially back in the 80s that, that we he was he was helping forge our childhood well, oh we were raised by Robert yeah, yeah he was one of the people who raised us yeah oh yeah um I don't know much about LA cats or um like because this is the first time I've come across his name um in fact you know now, now that I said that I, it might not be uh he he wrote um 
just a bunch of different, different TV series. Uh, Freddy's Nightmares. He wrote Children of the Corn 2 Final Sacrifice. I don't think I've seen that. I love the original. <laughs> There's one. I don't remember remember what it is. I have to ask one of my friends because uh, I, I think she just loves those movies. Yeah. Uh, where I think it might be three called like Urban Harvest or something okay. where an old woman complete in a wheelchair gets thrown through a diner window. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm on um, board. He wrote uh, 11 episodes of Tales from the Crypt. So yeah, I guess I do. No, actually he wrote Dead Weight from this season. Oh yeah. That's yeah. A good one. Uh, then uh, in four, five, six and seven, he can, he contributed episodes, uh, but he wrote Bordello of Blood, The Outer Limits and uh, Jeremiah. Do you remember that show? No. Was that the show with like Luke Perry where everyone old died and just kids left in the world? I don't remember. Yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. It left an impact on us. Uh, <laughs> obviously. Then we have Gilbert Adler. Um, also an, another name I'm not really familiar with. Um, he did uh, Perversions of Science, which was a um, like science sci-fi TV show. Uh, he was he also did Children of the Corn to the Final Sacrifice, also Freddy's Nightmares, and Bordello of Blood. I'm thinking he's just and 11 episodes of Tales from the Crypt. I'm thinking he's just the same person. Oh, was it like a um, just another a pin name? No, because. I'm looking, they have different pictures up. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't think that they are the same person, but they, I, they must've been a writing team. Yeah. Which is common. Um, oh, he was also, cause we always have to have a DC connection. He was a producer on Constantine and Superman returns. Oh, cool. Yeah. Constantine's a great movie. It is. There's talking about a sequel to it. I just keep it, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Uh, leave you know, I, I know a lot of comic fans are like, it's not really John Constantine. Like, even being a John Constantine fan, like I don't care. That's a fun movie. That's the one of the. That's probably one of my favorite uh, Satan's. Yeah. Oh, in film history, that was the, actually Peter Stormare's Satan is yeah. one of the best Satans ever. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love him. That's great. He he uh, he ends that movie with such a bang. yeah that's yeah so great. He's on the screen for like a minute. Yes. It's yeah. Worth it. It, you remember that minute? Oh yes. Uh, then okay, so then we have Kirk Douglas as General. Calthrob. Mm-hmm. This is a terrible name. Uh, he started his career in 1946 with The Strange Love of Mary Ivers. Now, okay, this is Kirk Douglas we're talking about. Yes. Hollywood royalty. Oh, yeah. Right. One of the men you think about when you think about old time Hollywood stars. Oh, right? yeah. So I cannot possibly cover everything he's done and even the most significant parts of his career. It, the right? thing is, this actually might be one of the easiest episodes you've done in your research because yeah. everybody is, is super is, famous. Yeah. It, well, except for one person. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he who's Doc Holiday and Gunfight at the OK Corral, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, he was Van Gogh in Lust for Life. He was Spartacus. I am Spartacus. Yeah. Uh, Paths of Glory. Uh, Patton, General Patton in, in is Paris Burning? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> Question mark. Uh, Strangers When We Met, A Man Without a Star, War Wagon, In Harm's Way, The Chosen, The Fury, The Final Countdown, which is the silliest movie uh, plot I've ever heard in my life. Never heard of it. <laughs> so <laughs> he plays the captain of a supercarrier, uh, aircraft right. carrier, right? Right. Who gets sucked into a time warp, the, or the whole aircraft carrier does, okay. to the Battle of Pearl Harbor. What? And they help fight off the Japanese and save the Pacific fleet from being destroyed that day. 
Wow. Yeah. Uh, Inherit the Wind. His last movie uh, was in 08. Oh, yeah. which was called the Empire State Murders, the Empire State Building Murders, but he did not pass away until 2020. Oh, wow. He was 104 years old. That's crazy. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Good, really good for him. Uh, <laughs> then we have Eric Douglas, who was actually his son. So we have his son. He plays Lieutenant Calthrop. So we have father and son playing father and son. Yes. Uh, he got his start in his dad's movies, like uh, Strangers When We Meet and A Gunfight. He was in like two, I don't know. I don't know if you'd call these like sexy teen movies in the 80s that were popular in the 80s, oh, you know, man. like Student Confidential and Tomboy, <laughs> which was Tomboy was like kind of a reverse of the uh, 80s sports movies. Where you have like, you know, you have the guy who's kind of nerdy or overlooked. He's like, if I just win this competition, I'll win the girl. Yeah. And this, it's a tomboy who is a mechanic who's like, if I just win this racing competition, I'll win the guy. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. She's like, becomes like a stock car driver or something. Uh, I didn't yeah. heard of it. Wow. Uh, the Golden Child, Delta Force 3, The Killing Game. Yeah. Uh, uh, his last role was in 93 and I, and I didn't even bother to write down what that was because I didn't recognize it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, then he tried his hand at stand up, And from what I read, like a lot of his stand up was just about like being, being the least famous Douglas in his family. Right. <laughs> and then he died of a drug his, overdose um, in 04. I'm sorry. He died of a drug overdose in 04. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's sad. It is sad. Then we have, uh, some guy named Lance Henriksen. Lance motherfucking Henriksen. <laughs> so name a Lance Henriksen movie. Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead. Terminator. A- Alien. Yes. And, um, uh, Alien 2. Alien 2. Electric Boogaloo. And Alien 3. I don't have a, I don't have a clever line for Alien 3. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, uh, Alien versus Predator. Really? Yeah. Oh, he, huh. he, he plays, I think in Alien versus Predator, he plays uh, Wyland. The, one of the guys who starts Wyland, oh, Wayland, yeah. or Wayland, who He's also in one of the best tales from the crypt episodes ever. Yes, made. cutting cards. Yes, yes. Uh, just tons. We've talked about him before. We know how much we love this guy. Yeah, you yeah. all know we fawn over. Yeah, <laughs> and he is great. And he is. He's actually he he plays Sergeant Ripper. Yes, and he is way too old for this role. Yeah, yeah. For he sure. is fifty. When really? he, yes, he's fifty in this role. And like, we watch war movies, and we always we always think of like soldiers as like these grizzled veterans, right? Right. I looked it up. The average age during World War One was twenty four years old. I believe it. The average age of soldiers dying was nineteen. Jeez, dude. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So he is he's way way too old for this role. In fact, um, that makes me think of this um, this interview with Steven Spielberg I saw one time where he was talking about Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. And he showed this historian. I can't remember the historian's name now, but he's a very popular historian in like the, the nineties and the early two thousands. And so he showed this historian saving private Ryan before it came out. He's like, whatever you think is wrong with the movie, I'll change it. Oh wow. And historians like, you got to refilm the whole thing because everyone's too old. Oh wow. Tom Hanks is way too old for this role. He should be like 22 years old. Yikes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I guess they didn't. <laughs> no, yeah, he, he didn't. Right. He's like, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant like, you know, maybe a background is wrong. Or right. Like, we'll redo that scene. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So, yeah. Then we have Dan Aykroyd. Uh, who's that? 
Yeah. So he got his start at the Second City Comedy Troupe with people like Bill Murray and John Belushi and all those people you remember from the golden age of Saturday Night Live. Right. Uh, which he was a writer and cast member on for four years from 75 to 79. He was in the Blues Brothers, Trading Places, Twilight Zone, the movie. Yeah. The beginning and end. Right? Oh, yeah. You want to see something really scary? Yeah, that's what he says. Oh, yeah. That's his line, yeah. Uh, Ghostbusters. Yes. And Ghostbusters 2. What Ghostbusters do, Afterlife. Right? And the, he plays voices in the video games. I think he, there's a cartoon where he played the voice of yeah. Race Dance, too, like in the 90s. That's my favorite Ghostbuster. Not, yes, mine, too. Yeah. Uh, the owner of Race Occult Books. Yes. Yes. Yep. <laughs> uh, Dragnet. I don't think I ever saw oh, that. I, I wonder how it'd stand up now, but I remember loving that movie when I was a kid. I used to love the show because yeah, we, well, see, it's, we had reruns. It's, he plays Joe Friday's son or grandson, uh-huh. and then they have Tom Hanks as like the loose cannon cop. Ah, the bad right? boy. Yeah, who they're and they're fighting a, a group called um, uh, Pagan, hmm. which is people against uh, goodness and normalcy or some nonsense. What? Yeah, I love it. it. It's, it's 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 a comedy. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the Great Outdoors with John Candy, which is a hilarious movie. At least I remember it being hilarious. How it stand up thirty years later, I don't know. Right. Uh, Driving Miss Daisy. In uh, you know, when I went looking uh, through his list of credits, you know what I found? Huh. Nothing but trouble. Oh god! <laughs> you know Natalie's gonna love that joke. Yeah, because she loves that movie, and she showed it to me. He has a dick nose, and I hated it. Yeah, I love that movie, and I feel like I need to give it another shot. You know, I had never watched it until like two, three years ago. I was like, I love this shit. This is great. I think that's when I watched it too, and I yeah. hated it. Um, my girl one and two, uh, sneakers, where he plays the character mother who became like a role model of mine. <laughs> uh, gross point blank, where he plays the psychopath assassin grocer. Yes. Yeah, love that movie. Yep. Uh, Evolution, uh, Crossroads. Put a pin in that one. Okay. The Britney Spears movie. Put a pin in that one. Oh, I didn't even know there was a Britney Spears movie. Yeah, it was like it came out in O two. It was like her first movie. Oh wow. Yeah. I had no idea. Uh, Fifty first dates. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Um, <laughs> here's where we're gonna get where, where we're gonna get weird. This okay. is where this we get is where weird. we get weird. Uh, Dan Aykroyd. Now I'm gonna add. This is this is the title part of the title. This title. Let me start it over. This title is Dan Aykroyd colon something else. I want you to predict what the next word out of my mouth are going to be. Three words. Uh, shoot, shoot for the stars. No, I'll give you one more chance. Uh, I have no idea. Lance <laughs> fucking Anderson. <Hammerstein. laughs> yes. Uh, Dan Aykroyd unplugged on UFOs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit uh, of a dork. He's a, Huge dork. Um, and so it's just basically him being interviewed about his opinion on UFOs. It's like a straight up DVD. I have never seen it, but I, I, I forgot this thing exists. Until I went through his credits. I was you gotta like, oh, watch shit, it. I got to watch this shit. Um, he is the narrator on a TV series called Hotel Paranormal, which is about hotel workers just telling their, their encounters with ghosts. Cool. Yeah. Um, he is the Hollywood rep for the Mutual UFO Network. <laughs> Which is a network of UFO investigators. Fucking nerd. <laughs> um, he did, he was the host of a TV series called Sci Factor Chronicles of the Paranormal, which which tried to cash in on the success of X Files back in the nineties. Yeah, it, it went for four seasons. Yeah, right. But he was the host, and he would introduce them as like these are dramatizations of like real life cases inve- investigated by this paranormal group that that did not really exist. Right. right? 
And so they tried, like, they'd have, like, two stories in the episode that were not connected, but had, like, you know, kind of a rotating cast of characters as the, the investigators. Right. Right. But then they're like, uh, this X-Files shit's catching on. So yeah. they tried to make it into, a, like, a complete like, drama series. And at first they would do, like, um, like, witness testimonies and stuff. Yeah. They got away from that because the acting was really bad. I'm sure. Right. So they went they went to a straight drama series and it was kind of one of the first series that had like a continuing story throughout episodes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um uh and then he did this show called Out There with Dan Aykroyd about UFOs. He loves UFOs. He does. But no one's ever seen it. Why? Because they filmed the entire season and then during middle the middle of the filming of the last episode of the first season, sci fi canceled it. Decided oh, to pick it sucks. up. Yeah. So no one's ever seen it because sci-fi owns it and is just sitting on it. Why would you just sit on something? Okay. So he has a story about that. We're going to make it weird. <laughs> Even weirder. So, put on your tinfoil hats. Put on your tinfoil hats. <laughs> I love this so much. <laughs> I love this story. So he claimed he was taking a break during the while they're wrapping up filming on the final episode. Right. He steps outside. He's on the phone with Britney Spears. Okay. Because this is while they're filming Crossroads. They're getting ready to film Crossroads or just fin- filmed it. Oh, like right it was in 02, right? So just that, to make it more surreal, he's on the phone with Britney Spears. He notices across the street from this alley he's standing, he's standing in, there's a black sedan parked there with these men in black suits and black hats with very stern-looking faces looking at him. Oh, and He's like, uh, what the shit? And he looks away for a second. When he looks back, they're just gone. Uh-oh. He's like, there's no way they could have driven past me. It was a one-way street. Yeah. So they, either they backed out, which is the rational explanation for this, right. or they just vanished because they're, they're the men in black. And then an hour later, they canceled the show. He got too close? He got too close to the truth, yeah. Yeah. He got too close to the He sun. got too close. Wow. And so then, to make up for it, he made Crystal Skull Vodka. <laughs> Crystal Skull Vodka? Yeah. Have you ever heard of this? No. No, it's a it's a vodka brand, and the bottle is a Crystal Skull. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that was Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, it's Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What hasn't he done? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Dan fucking Aykroyd. It's Dan Aykroyd, yeah. I love him. So, I get this got me. I, I, I have to go back and watch Sci Factor, because I was like, I kind of remember that show being on late at night when I was a teenager. Right. Well, 96, I would have been like... 18, 19 yeah. years old. Uh, so I like, I started watching it and I was like, I gotta watch the rest of this shit. This is garbage. I love it so much. <laughs> we all have those like guilty pleasures of like, I know this isn't good, but I love it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> My thing is I love, um, uh, Elvira's movie macabre. Oh yeah. Um, which isn't bad per se, but I mean, she, all she uses is open, uh, domain. Movies. Yeah. Oh yeah. So they're all dingers. And that's just, there's something special about middle of the night, yeah. turn the lights off, play an old black and white it's, sci-fi it's, movie from the it's 50s. Comfort, it's comforting. Yes. Yeah. It's very it, comforting. Yeah. It's very relaxing. It's very fun. And plus, Elvira is actually funny. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this episode's a dinger. Are we ready? Yeah, let's go. All right. Once again, this is a season three finale. Season three, episode 14, Yellow, which premiered August 28th. 1991 the series the already messed up two seconds in (laughs) the episode opens with the crypt keeper in world war one garb he has a gun and he says firing squad present arms and he points the rifle at the camera he says oh hello i was just just about to fire off tonight's dead time story about a soldier who doesn't want to be in the army anymore 
I don't know why not. War is an equal opportunity destroyer. <laughs> the Crypt Keeper aims his rifle and says, ready, maim, fire. And he shoots a book on a shelf. It falls to the floor, opening of the exact cover of the story. Ooh, Yellow. he's a crack shot. He's rude. Yeah. Good Lord. I like how, w- once again, we just interrupted him at work. Yeah. And he decides he's to like, tell us oh, a story. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you're here. Here's a story. At least he's nice enough to give us yeah, a story every right. time, you know. You know, you know, we uh, we laud Mr. Rogers as one of the nicest human beings ever. Mm-hmm. The Crypt Keeper, too. We interrupted him at work, and he's like, hey, I'm going to tell you a story. Yeah. yeah. He's like, hey, you just caught me doing this. Yeah. Why don't I tell you a tale? Yeah. He's not like, oh, you interrupted me, go away. He's like, no, come here, sit down. Let he didn't just point a gun at us. He, not, he didn't point a gun at us. Yeah, well, I we mean, walked he... in on him pointing the gun, and we got in the way. That's a valid point. Yeah. I can't argue that. <laughs> Once he shoots, the book opens, story starts. The episode starts to show a patch of dirt with only one daisy standing up. Suddenly, a soldier falls on top of it, crushing it with his back riddled with bullets. The camera pans to show fighting in World War II. Uh, World War I. I'm sorry, World War I, my bad. Uh, Soldiers dying to gunfire. The screen shows 1918. Somewhere in France, the 49th day of continuous battle, as soldiers charge from their trenches. Sergeant Ripper is crawling, asking soldiers if they've seen the lieutenant. But all of them are dead. With eat, This is the part that's fucking hilarious. It's the only funny part yeah. of the episode. And Lance Henderson's delivery is perfect. With every dead soldier that he goes up to, he says the word, damn. Finally, he gets to a living soldier... Uh, and ask him where's the lieutenant. The soldier points to where the lieutenant is, but at that moment, his hand gets blown off, and Sergeant Ripper says, God, God damn. damn. So he does this like three times, like, damn. Yeah. Damn. Damn. God, God damn. damn. <laughs> this battle is so intense. Oh, yeah. That the same guy steps on the same landmine twice. I And gets that. thrown ass over ankles. Yes. Or ankles over ass, whichever way it goes, into the same puddle twice. <laughs> yes, I noticed that too. I've seen, Just I've from different seen angles. a few movies. Do, yeah. I think Malignant does that, mm-hmm. where they show the exact same thing that happens. Like yeah. somebody, like I think like the 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 monster of Malignant, mm-hmm. like kicking a cop. Yeah. And he tosses over a table. Yeah. And then a couple, uh, like half a second later or whatever, they show it again, but from a different, different angle, angle. Yeah. As though it, like it's another yeah. cop, and like it's the same dude. We can tell. <laughs> Ripper runs to to the lieutenant who is drinking from a flask in the trench. Ripper says, the charge is stalled. What are you doing here? Lieutenant Martin Calthrop says, you'll have to speak up. The Germans are shooting the hell out of us. That is a funny line. It is pretty funny. You know, and he asks him what he's doing there. He's doing the only sane thing in that situation. Hiding? Hiding. Yes. Yeah. Um, By the way, real quick, um, Ripper would be Lance Henriksen's name if he if we wasn't named Lance Henriksen. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's the only name you can give him. Yeah. Ripper says that the sergeant ordered the men to take the hill, but the lieutenant is telling Ripper to tell the men they need to retreat, and Ripper is against it. Lieutenant Lieutenant Calthrop says, "Damn the general and damn the orders. We're the ones being shot and killed." Ripper reluctantly Also fight- very sane. Yes. Very yes. true. Ripper reluctantly fires a retreat flare and the men start to retreat. Sergeant Milligan arrives 
Dan Aykroyd, arrives to the trench and into General Calthrop's dugout room. The general explains his plan to attack the hill in order to confuse the Germans to allow the other companies to regroup and back up. Milligan says, that's a great plan, sir. Only if we can take that hill. Just then, Sergeant Ripper arrives saying that the soldiers never made it to the hill. And General Calthrop asks why. Ripper explains that Lieutenant Calthrop ordered the retreat. The general says, so you're saying my son ordered a retreat? Ripper replies, yes, sir. In which Sergeant Milligan says, if that's the case, we may have to concede, concede this battle, sir. The general says, I've never given up my entire life. General Calthrop comes up with another plan, but communications with the B Company on the other side of the mountain are severed due to the German patrols cutting the, the communication cables. The general wants Ripper to go with his son and uh, wire repairmen to reestablish the connection. Milligan says, I don't think your son should be sent on this mission. The general asks why not, and after a bunch of dilly-dallying, Ripper finally says out loud, He's yellow, sir. The general replies, Get him in here. His son, Lieutenant Calthrop, arrives. Uh, and he's also, his name's Martin. Mm -hmm. We don't know the general's Calthrop's first name, yeah. but his son, the Lieutenant Calthrop, mm -hmm. his name's Martin. Lieutenant uh, Martin says, You wanted to see me? General replies, What? You forgot how to report? Martin puts out a cigarette and says, oh, I see. Lieutenant Martin Calthrop reporting, sir. His father says, is it true what the men are saying about you? Martin replies, I don't know. What are they saying about me? General says that you're yellow, that you're a coward. Martin says, they can say whatever they like. I don't give a damn. And the general harshly says, well, I do. Did you order a retreat? Martin says, yes, sir. But I saved the company. If we were to go up that hill, none of us would be alive. The general says, The reason you were taking that hill was to allow the other companies to fall back. A lot of our other men died with bullets in their back. The lieutenant says, Would you have, prefer would you have preferred if it was me, sir? The general, throwing his coffee to the ground, says, No, and you know that. His son says, I don't know. What I do know is I can't kill anyone, and I don't want to be killed. The lieutenant explains that he doesn't want to be in the army anymore, but his father says that can't happen, and he has to go on a mission to repair the cable lines. The lieutenant says that he'll set up the men in order to do it, but he will not go. He doesn't have to because he's an officer. The general says, because you're an officer, that's why you must go. Lieutenant says, I can't and I won't. The general says, I can't discharge you, but if you do this for me, I will transfer you to the rear and not in the front lines. The next scene, the lieutenant is walking through the trenches, seeing dead bodies lining the trench. He meets with Ripper and the cable repairmen. One soldier who found the cut in the line says that there are Germans everywhere. <laughs> I got to break this up with some humor. <laughs> yeah. It's Jeez. a war story. Deal with yeah, it. I'm, I'm looking for places to insert myself. But I'm like, 
it's, it, yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where, where it's, get... it's a war drama. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. But it gets good. The soldiers climb the ladder out of the trench and crawl towards the cut cable. They, they uh, crawl over to a ditch that is about 50 yards from the cut line. Lieutenant Calthrop states that the cable is way too close to the Germans, and he suggests that they go back. Ripper grabs the lieutenant and says, we have to do this. You have to do this. We need you. Me and the boys will go fix the cable. You stay back in the ditch and cover us. If you see any Germans, use this. And hands him a whistle. Ripper and the men crawl towards the break in the cable and... Lieutenant Calthob watches on. Over at the U- uh, U.S. soldier trench where they came from, Captain Milligan tries to observe the mission, but he can't. Martin sees that the German soldiers are start walking towards the cut line. Martin says out loud, Oh my God. But he doesn't blow the whistle. He actually drops it on the ground. Yeah. He starts to lift it to his lips. He starts He's shaking. Very reluctant. Oh, yeah. To blow it, yeah. The Germans mow down the men and throw a grenade. It explodes, and it throws Ripper all the way on top of Martin in the ditch with his back torn to shreds. <laughs> Ripper looks at him and says, You were supposed to warn us. Why didn't you blow the whistle? He falls over, and Martin runs back to the trenches. When he gets to the trenches, he sees Sergeant Milligan. In which Milligan says, I can't see a damn thing. But just then, he shows up and says, don't shoot, don't shoot. Milligan asks where the soldiers are. And Lieutenant Martin says, they ambushed us everywhere. Ripper and the others are dead. Milligan tells a soldier to go get the medics as they could just be wounded. Martin screams, no, they're dead. And he runs to his father's quarters. At General Calthrop's office, Martin explains that he fired at the Germans, but they were there were too many of them, and he's lucky to be alive. The general lights a cigarette for him and says, You did what you could. Now you know why that I told you you had to go. I couldn't ask my men to do something if I can't ask my own son. Now you showed them what you're made of. So he doesn't even care. Yeah, yeah. He, he His dad doesn't care that he lost men he cares that his men now will not look at his son yeah as a coward yeah keep that in mind yeah the lieutenant says you'll uh so you'll transfer me to the rear like you promised his dad says yes i'll keep my word now no one can call you a coward ever again but just then Ripper, Lance, motherfucking Henderson, <laughs> holding his guts in a goddamn helmet to his stomach. Yeah. Barges in and calls Martin a coward, pointing a gun at him, but quickly Sergeant Milligan takes it from him. I think it's Captain, actually. Oh, is it Captain? Yeah, it's Captain, Sorry. yeah. It's it's no big deal because they're all dead now anyway. It's been 140 years since f- World War One ended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ripper tells uh, General Calthrob, what really happened as he removes his helmet from his stomach, exposing his wounds. And he says he gave the Germans his own men and he falls down. Lieutenant Martin says, that's a lie. I told you I shot at the Germans on the ground. Ripper yells, you're yellow. And he dies. The medics take Ripper's body 
as General Calthrop asked if Martin's revolver was used to shoot the Germans. Martin confirms this, and the general grabs it and sees that the gun was never actually shot. It's fully loaded. Oh, no. General Calthrop says, this gun has never been fired, and he slaps his son and looks over at the other soldiers and says, arrest this man. The soldiers take Martin away as general as the general directs Mulligan, notify my offer, officers to report to the church. Court-martial of, of Lieutenant Calthrob will commence in one hour. The next scene at the church. General Calthrob says, Captain, has the jury reached a verdict? You're right, it was a captain. Captain Mulligan says, yes, we find Lieutenant Martin Calthrob guilty of dereliction of duty, desertion under fire, and cowardice in the face of the enemy. General says, the penalty is death by firing squad. He then tells the other soldiers to remove his son's shoelaces as to not hang himself. And he says the firing squad execution will take place at sunrise. Martin walks up to his father. The general says, you're a disgrace to the uniform. And the lieutenant cries out, I never wanted to wear it. You did. And he throws his shoelaces at his father and is escorted away. Yeah. Motherfucker. Yeah, it's a heavy. It's it's a heavy story. Milligan says, Sir, do you think you're being a little hasty? The general says, I will not have cowards in my army. That night, General Calthrop visits his son in his uh, prison. It's like a, the basement of the yeah, um, it's, church. Um, it's a church. Yeah, it's a bombed out church that has yeah. no roof to it. That I guess they use it as a makeshift uh, you know, court mm-hmm. is all they could do because they're, they're in the middle of war. Lieutenant Martin says, oh, hello, Father. What brings you down here? Captain Mulligan came to take my belt. I told him he's wasting his time. I'm in here because I'm afraid to die. And he laughs. The general says, this isn't easy for me. I didn't have a choice. His son says, no, I didn't have a choice. All my life, everything I've ever done was to make you happy. And you weren't much of a father. Yeah. 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 The, the general says, that makes two of us, because you're not much of a lieutenant. I didn't want to be a lieutenant. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> right. Lieutenant Martin says, I'm charged with being afraid to die. 200 men leave the trenches. 30 come back, mostly with limbs missing. The general says, you let fear get the better of you. Martin says, the whole world knows the son of the great General Calthrop is afraid to die. Well, I am. I am afraid to die. Yeah, like any (laughs) rational human should be. Right. The general says, you're right. I haven't been much of a father. It was wrong to force you into that mold, and I'm sorry. Martin says, well, it's too late. In an hour, I'll be dead. General says, no, you're not going to die. You think I'd kill my own son? The general then explains that in the firing squad, some of them use blanks, but because he's the general, it's his duty to load the rifles and he will make sure that they're all blanks. He will leave a bag full of rations for him on the ground. And once the men shoot him and move out, he will play dead and then grab the bag and leave. General says, just do this one thing for me. 
face that firing squad like a man. Let them know you're not afraid. Lieutenant says, yes, sir. Later, as drummer boys are playing, the general is loading the firing squad's rifles, and a priest is leading out Martin outside the church. <laughs> Lieutenant Martin, I'm sorry? When I was describing the episode, The Grace, this is the point where she goes, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry this isn't as funny of an episode as we usually do. It's just. There's a twist coming, and you should be able nature. to see the twist from a mile away. It's the nature of yeah. this whole thing. Well, I mean, we are. The, the line of, I forced you into this mold, and I'm sorry, is completely yeah. out of character. Right. From what we know so yeah. far. A priest walks Martin outside of the church. Lieutenant Martin looks up and says, It looks like a nice day to die, Father. The priest gives his last rites as Martin walks into position, which is uh, like a like a wooden platform. Yes. But behind him is a ditch full of bodies. Yes. That have been kind of wrapped up in funeral. It's shrouds. a mass burial for yeah. soldiers that, that, they've, yeah. that they've lost. He looks down into the pit of bodies and sees the pack full of rations that his father mentioned that is waiting for him. Martin decline, declines a cigarette, but takes a sip from his flask, which he's actually, I did forget to mention, I apologize. He's sort of been sipping on this flask yes. at least two to three times during this story. Yeah, it, when Ripper finds him in the beginning, he has drunk off this flask. Yes, he's, a, he's yeah. hammered at the beginning yeah. when, his, when Ripper uh, greets him. And all you, all you see is the, the, um, the back of it. Mm-hmm. And he's just sipping it over time. Milligan comes up to him and asks if he has any last words. He does. And he says, I tried, but I'm not the man my father is. I'm sorry. I let my fear of dying get in the way of my responsibilities to my men and my obligations from my commanding officers. I know now what Shakespeare meant when he says, Cowards die many times before their deaths, but the valiant never taste death but once. He salutes at his father, and his, fo- and his father salutes him back. Just as Milligan orders the squad to ready, aim, Martin looks at his father, who all of a sudden is looking away from him. Yeah. Knowing what this meant, Martin immediately breaks his uh, facade. Mm-hmm. And looks terrified as Milligan yells, fire. And the firing squad shoots Martin. Blood shoots from his chest as he falls into the pit with his shoes still on the platform. Martin looks up and he dies. Milligan and General Calthrop go to the pit to look over at his body. Milligan says, at least he died like a man. And the general says, yes, my son is not yellow. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> the general grins as the camera pans over Martin's body to reveal the engraving on his flask. It reads, To Martin, let courage be thy name. Love, Dad, 1917. Damn. We fade to black. You know who ended up being a big coward in this episode? <laughs> the dad. Uh yeah, yeah. Um, he could, he could not even face what he had done. Yeah, and, and I I would agree that this is probably one of the episodes that we don't need an outro. No, you know, yeah, it's so heavy. <laughs> yeah, but 
Uh, there's the crib keeper tied to a tree. And he says, I guess Martin learned his lesson. No guts, no gory. Yeah. He pulls the lever, which fi- which is connected to five rifles, and they all shoot into his chest. Crib keeper laughing says, I got a real bang out of that. Oh, I think that's keeper. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's cool with stories uh, that we've done previously, but with this one, it's so serious. So, yeah. Uh, we definitely have to talk about it, but okay. essentially, he no- Martin knows that his father is you know uh, never fear hardline. You must have courage. Mm-hmm. At and least- when he notices that his father is looking away from him, mm-hmm. he realizes that his dad lied to him. Yeah, yeah. He only wanted his son to act courageous, so no one would think his son was a coward. But he yeah. planned on killing him anyway. Yeah, yeah. He. Um, he- it's not just that he's a hypocrite. He is just as much a coward. Yes. He could not face what he was doing, what he had put in motion. Yeah. Right. And he is, as Martin says in the beginning, he's not the one putting his life on the line. Right. He gets to sit back comfortable in his tent away from the artillery, yeah. away from the, the bullets and the, the trenches, whatever, right. and command men to go die and then tell them that they're cowards if they won't die for him. Right. Yeah. And it's um, it's very sad. It's very, I guess it's a little more sad for me, not for me, but it, because to I you. did a little research yeah. prior, and this father and son actually did have issues. And Eric Douglas, like you said, his you know, Eric Douglas, who plays Martin. His whole, like, he had a side comedy career where he essentially was making fun of himself for being yeah. the black sheep of the family. Yeah. And then uh, I read somewhere that Kirk Douglas, his dad, who plays the general, mm-hmm. um, gave him an ultimatum while he was in rehab, and he ultimately succumbed to his addiction yeah. in an overdose. So it's it's extra sad. Yeah. Um, Just this... Uh, it's just a really sad story. Things <laughs> played out in real life. Yeah. Sort of how, and yeah. It, it, that last like minute of the episode. Yeah. Is to me, I love these stories more than I love the guts and, mm-hmm. and the gore and mm-hmm. all that stuff because it's that twist. Cause he says when he's like in that night before mm-hmm. he's executed, executed, Hey, I put you in this mold. That's yeah. not fair. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's the moment that Martin should have been like, what is happening? Right. But he right. immediately but, got that apology that he always yeah. wanted. Yeah. And he felt. He finally got his father's acceptance. He did, but it was yeah. fake. Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't matter. But the thing is, he, w- this goes on to the comic story, but just, just to know, at least that's how I read the story at the yeah. end when I was mm-hmm. watching Martin knew before mm-hmm. he died, yeah. he was going to die. Yeah. Even for a second. Yeah. He didn't think he was going to die this entire and, execution. Well, he he knew the second before he got shot that he was going to die. Right? Yes, that's what I but mean. But he knew after that because he lingered for a bit. Yeah. He kind of yeah. like looks up and, yeah. and, you know, and then he kind of like slowly mm-hmm. knocks his head back yeah. uh, into the pit and when he dies. But that moment of tension. Where he is looking at the firing mm-hmm. squad confidently, the way his father wants him to, with courage and dignity, whatever mm-hmm. you want to fucking call it. Yeah. And then he looks over at his dad, and his dad turns away. Yeah. In which he's like, oh, fuck. He lied to me. Bam. Yeah. And then he dies. Yeah. So he didn't have the chance 
to let it sink in mm-hmm. before he died. And to me, that's an ultimate gut punch as if he Yeah, did. yeah. And in which 99.9% of all the Tales from the Crypt episodes, it's tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. There's usually like a lesson in there, mm-hmm. but this hits so fucking hard. Yeah, I would compare this one in terms of how like dark and dire and just straight play it is to the one where the uh, the kid's being abused by his uncle who lives in the funeral home. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I would agree with that. But it feel like at least there was some there was a poetic there, comeuppance. Yes, this one has this nothing was like none. that. None. Like essentially, no. the villain wins. No. Well, you know, he does in a way, but you know, actually, no, I want to correct that because he's revealed to be a coward at the end. But no one knows he's but a coward. But not to his men. He, and I think even, like, I was going to say, well, he has to live with the fact that he's a coward. But he's been living with the fact he's a coward forever. Oh, yeah. He, he has this care. facade he's, built in. Yeah. 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 He just, he cares about the performance of being brave, not the actual bravery. Yes. Of his bravery rather mm-hmm. than his actual yeah. bravery. Yeah. Like, you know, like you said, and like the theme of the episode is, he doesn't care about bravery. He just cares how people see him. Yes. Yeah. He wants to save face. Yeah. So he'll order the execution of his son. In yeah. which, by the way, um, Captain Milligan, after the trial, says, "Hey, you're taking a bit far." Yeah. So, so he he does have an out. Yeah. He can easily go to the other officers and be like, you know, discharge, un, uh, you know, dishonorable discharge, mm-hmm. put him in prison. Yeah, prison, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Uh, but he was just straight up like. Firing squad in one yeah. hour. Well, Deuces. you know, I, I if or the if, next morning, I understand. Like he's like, well, I can't give him favoritism, right? Right. I could, but the fact that the Captain Mulligan, Milligan, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. says like, hey, maybe you're taking this too far, right? Shows that maybe it's not that it wouldn't be favoritism. That that he has shown something of mercy to other people in in, in a similar situation, right? But he's taking it too far with his own kid. Well, I think it hits because him worse because he he wants he gives it to him worse because he's trying to live vicariously through his son. He's trying to live that brave life that he in fact has never lived himself. But I also think that he he sees his son as his legacy. Yes, and he yeah. cannot live with the fact mm-hmm. that people will see his son as a coward, which yeah. therefore means he's a coward. Right, and it lifts the veil. Yeah, and he can't deal with that. Yeah. And it's. It's sad and like you're almost angry. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I completely understand. I I will say this off the bat: uh-huh. I've never been a soldier. Yeah, I've never been in war. Right. I can't say anything when mm-hmm. it comes to that. I understand Martin's perspective from <laughs> the fear of dying. You know, I, this is the I told you earlier when we were talking beforehand that I when I was describing this to Grace, I said something very controversial. Yeah. To her. Martin is the only sane, rational character in this episode. He's the one doing the only rational things. He's like, nope, I'm not going out there. I'm not going into that meat grinder because I'll die. We're all dead. I understand that, but also, <laughs> I, I might have to disagree with you okay. on that. Yeah, that's why I said it's controversial. Yeah, I mean, I understand where you're coming from, and I definitely understand his fear of dying because I would absolutely would too. Yeah. But you're a fucking soldier. And you're 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 not only that you're an officer. You're right. leading these men, right? So he he got his men killed. He did. He did. But and, you know, no, no, he didn't get his men killed. His father got those men killed. Yeah, but they had to repair the lines. 
that's true. They had to repair the line. To save but, lives. But them going into that battle to begin with. Well, now, being now you're looking at the broader right spectrum when it comes yeah, to, like, why did you have World War One? <laughs> well, yeah. And we can't get into that. We can't. You know, this is no, not a, because a history This is not podcast. hardcore history. But, like, I mean, if I'm you just want saying, to know like, the causes and events of World War One, go listen to the, what, 20 hour series that Dan Carlin did. Oh, really? Blueprint of the apocalypse for the apocalypse. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's hell on earth. Oh, OK. Absolute hell on earth. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a soldier. I've never been in combat, but I think that's the only rational decision that people can make is I'm not doing this shit. Oh, yeah. For, I mean, like, I completely understand that aspect of it, too. But I mean. Based on the information and what we're mm-hmm. shown, you're already a soldier. Yeah. You're already on yeah. the front lines. You are given the charge no, of these I, men. I understand. I understand so, that. But I just see all the sides, but, but also you know, it's like I mean he deserved like, punishment. It's like um in that movie, The Girl with All the Gifts, or even like Last of Us. Yes. Right. It's why should I have to die so you can live? Right. Yeah. So yeah. I understand his argument too. Like, why should I charge up that hill and die so these other people can live? Yeah, but he should have had this conversation this conversation is, with his father yeah, this before is, he got on the boat to France. This, what what should have been happening? What was happening on the other side of the continent <laughs> when the Russians started hanging their own officers <laughs> during World War One? He's on his soapbox again. <laughs> God, I knew it. I knew this was going to happen because I was like, man, this is like. I mean, this is this has commentary in it of. The military, yeah, and yeah, global events and such. But I mean, I don't think anyone in the story is completely perfect. Mm-hmm. It's just a sad story, yeah, to watch, you know. But it's also intriguing. It's people put in a situation that none of them want to be in, and how do they react to that situation that they don't want to be right? In. And it's like uh, I've heard the thing of you know, like war and battles and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It it brings out the true nature mm-hmm. of the people, yeah. And his true nature is, I don't want to fucking die. I don't want to kill anybody. Right. And his dad was like, I don't even care if it kills my own flesh and blood. Right. I want to be seen as brave. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and that just shows they're completely different uh, aspects of their personalities. And it's a it's an amazing episode, but it's such a it's such a left turn. Yes. From, from other where we were. Which yeah. I had no idea that it was a pilot for another show. Yeah. And, and so in that one, they're going to have their own version of the Crypt Keeper called like the Gunfighter. Oh, God. But it was William Adler. Really? Yes, as like this old decrepit gunfighter. Nice. Yeah, who inter- would introduce I the story? I mean, weird, but cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's the story of Yellow. Um, oof. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to give it an A. It's an A. Oh, this is an A plus episode. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, it's amazing. The yeah. acting's terrific. Um, shout out to Lance Motherfucker Hendrickson. Yes. Kirk Douglas. Um, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, I can't. Why am I completely. Eric. Eric Douglas, yeah. yeah. Um, just, whew, man, it's heavy. Yeah. It's heavy. Yeah. So, but we have the comics. We together, have the comic, yeah. It, they change some very important parts of this yeah. story. As their na- like, they change their names. Yes. Yes. But there's also a big thing at the end. Yes. yes. And it makes it worse. Better? Uh, we'll let you be the judge. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let you be. Actually, I, I did you. I sent you. You sent picture. me. Yeah. Okay. The so differences. I have a, a picture. Yes. Of the quote final shot mm-hmm. or the most important shot mm-hmm. of the story on that I will post on our social media. And I'm super interested to hear your feedback. Yeah. Listeners of which ending is better or worse. Because I think me and Bruce are like, because eh. <laughs> it could be either way. 
Yeah. Yeah. It really could. Yeah. So I really don't know. But let's get into All right. this. Well, this is from Shock Suspense Stories number one, written by Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein, with art by Jack Davis. Let me tell you, Jack Davis does war art amazing it's he might be so one of gritty. the best war artists i've ever seen it's so gritty it's, it's so great. gritty yeah i mean like if you think of like the grizzle hardened or battle hardened like sergeant right you're thinking of like a jack davis yes. piece of artwork like you know the helmet the 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 like the lines in his face from the stress and battle and just exhaustion the five o'clock shadow the five o'clock shadow the chomping on the cigarette or cigar yes yeah uh with colors by marie severin queen during an unnamed battle, Colonel Henderson asks a captain how his son, Lieutenant Henderson, is doing. The captain is forced to admit his son is seen as a coward by his own men, some of whom have asked for transfers to other units. Hoping to prove to everyone that his son is no coward, the colonel sends the lieutenant on a mission to the front line. The lieutenant returns, saying his squad was ambushed, but he fought his way back to base. However, he is soon proven a liar by another survivor. Henderson is court-martialed for his cowardice and sentenced to execution. The colonel reveals to Henderson that he has a plan for the lieutenant to escape unharmed. But the colonel has another plan, one that will leave Henderson. Oh, let me start that over. But the colonel has an, another plan, one that will leave Henderson smiling in the face of death. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun. <laughs> Damn. Ugh. That was great, but <laughs> it you. also made me feel icky. Yeah. <laughs> I struggled. When you wrote that, we were like, Ugh. I struggled with something witty to put on the end of both of these. And I was like, this right. doesn't call for wittiness. Yeah, it's it's just, really hard to write something yeah. witty when the subject matter is so heavy. Yeah. So we've talked about Bill Gaines. Now, Felton, you know, did they actually serve in the war in World War II? I don't remember. You know, I saw something that this is set in World War II, but their helmet design is World War I. That flat doughboy helmet oh yeah i just not it like was world the, war one for yeah, sure yeah yeah um because i mean this this premiered not premiered this was uh came out the shock suspense were number one which which came out february 1952 yeah this is in the middle of korea yes and this is. is just seven years after ww2 yeah. so i mean if you really think about it this story originating at this time was kind of, I would assume controversial. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I wonder because when they talk about um, when they talk about the comics that were controversial, I don't often hear about the um, I don't often hear about the war comics being controversial. Right. Yeah. And I think maybe because it they at least this one, and the, admittedly, this is the only one I've read, and I really can't extrapolate beyond that but it got me thinking that maybe because these were um extolling virtues mm. as opposed to criticizing the virtues oh yeah you know the, the 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 american martial um virtue oh. i think is very prevalent in this and instead of being like you know it, it's not, instead of pointing a finger at society as they often do right this is extolling that virtue oh hmm. that's interesting there's a way of looking at it for sure Ugh. Um, yeah, so I, I looked it up. Bill Gaines did serve, but he was um, uh, he was a cook oh, during cool. the, in, in Oklahoma during ah. the war. Uh, Al Feldstein, let me look this up real quick. By the way, I got a, a story about that real quick. Um, my grandfather, 
uh, it was in World War II. He was pretty old. He was almost 30 by the time he went. Oh, wow. Um, which is ancient for being drafted. Yeah. Um, I don't see anything about uh, Alf. Uh, uh, he was in the Army Air Forces, but doesn't say if he served in combat or anything like that. Um, anyway, so my grandfather, uh, my dad's father, uh, he he served in World War II, and he... <laughs> He was trained as a cook. Yeah. Then got put in an in an engineering unit, a spearhead engineering unit. Wow. Which is they went ahead of everybody else and would like blow up shit and rebuild it elsewhere. What? So like, you know, we're going to blow up a bridge. All right, now we build our own bridge. Right. For for us to cross. Wow. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. So <laughs> No, I can't find anything about Jack Davis either whether he served or not. So uh, are we ready for this? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Uh, a big note is instead of uh, Calthrob, uh, the father and son are or Henderson. Henderson. Once again, this is yellow. And the captain is something else, too. Uh, uh, Milligan. Okay. It, it's such, it's instead of Milligan, it's Milliken. Not that big a difference. Uh, yellow from Shock Suspense Stories number one from February 1952. Colonel Clark Henderson is looking over a map as he asks uh, as he asks for headquarters, but the sergeant says that they can't call because the cable must have been cut. Colonel Henderson yells for Captain Milliken of B Company urgently. Once Milliken arrives, Henderson tells him that the Germans are surrounding them and the line to the HQ is cut. He asks for a squad to repair the line ASAP as they are certainly doomed unless they can get that repaired. Milliken says that he's on it, and Colonel Henderson says, Good. By the way, how's my son Martin doing? Milliken says, The men of his platoon are grumbling. He's saying he's yellow, that he's a coward. There's even some members of his platoon that want to be transferred. Henderson orders that his son's platoon perform this uh, mission of repairing the cable. Once alone, Henderson says to himself, I don't believe my own son is a coward. There must be a mistake. Just then, his son's platoon is marching by, and he confronts his son. Says, hey, uh, have you read your orders? Which Martin replies, yes, sir. Henderson says, see that you carry them out. As the platoon is marching, Henderson says to himself, make me proud. Show them you're not a coward. The next morning... The colonel waits for word when his son stumbles into the room, grasping for breath. Martin says, It was an ambush. Wiped out the whole squad. Just as the colonel was about to comfort the boy, Milliken brings in a wounded sergeant. The sergeant says, He left us. We fought while he hightailed it out of there. Colonel says, Is this true? Martin says, Absolutely not. Milliken says, as the commanding officer, I insist he be under arrest to face court-martial. The colonel had no emotion on his face as he tells everyone a trial will start in 20 minutes. That's quick. Yeah. Martin is taking it Martin is taken away sobbing. 20 minutes later, Martin is found guilty and sentenced to death by firing squad. The colonel orders it to be carried out in 2 hours. Martin yells, "How could you?" The colonel shows no emotion as Martin is escorted away. One officer says to the colonel, I'm sorry, this must be tough for you. 
Colonel says, it has to be done. Discipline must be maintained. Later, the Colonel asks to be alone with Martin, in which Martin says, no, I hate you. Though they are alone, Henderson says, you let me down. I wanted to be proud of you. Martin says, that's all you ever wanted. You didn't care how I felt. You thought only about your pompous self. The Colonel says, I'm ashamed of you. You're a coward. Martin says, sure, I'm a coward because I don't want to die. Colonel says, but you're not going to die. In which Colonel Henderson explains the plan with the rifles and the blanks. Same plan from the uh, TV episodes. Martin says, the Colonel says, yes, it'll be blanks. I don't know what'll happen to you and I don't care. Maybe we'll meet again. Goodbye, Martin. Later, the firing squad arrives on top of a hill, noticing Martin is doesn't seem afraid anymore. Martin, almost smirking, really, asks for a cigarette and rejects a blindfold and says, No thanks, I'll watch. As the squad is about to fire, Martin winks and smiles at his father, and his father starts to grin. So at this point, I thought it was only necessary. I'm just going to read what the narrative yeah. is. Yeah, oh yeah. Because, um, yeah. So, uh, once again, Martin looks over at his father, smiling and winking, and his father grins back at him. The narration said, quote, The firing squad's rifles barked, and the thirty caliber lead slugs ripped through the lieutenant's body, killing him instantly. His grin froze on his face as his eyes glazed and his legs melted to the ground. Oh, gosh. Such a great description of his knees just giving out. Right. Uh, In the next panel, one captain says to Colonel Henderson, At least you can be proud that your son faced his death like a man. Colonel Henderson says, I felt that he would. That's it. That's, it's yeah. it's haunting is the only word that I can describe, yeah. and this will be on our social media because I, I took a I took a picture of the uh, shot of Martin on the TV episode and the comic strip after uh, right when and then when he gets shot. The what Jack Davis did essentially was draw Martin falling down, getting yeah. shot in the chest, mm-hmm. but he's still grinning. Yeah, because. That's the big plot, plot twist, quote unquote, is that in the TV episode, Martin, for a brief moment before he dies, just for a brief moment, he knows he's getting going to get killed. Yeah. In in the comic, he never knew. Yeah. And that's the question I wanted to ask everyone out there, the listeners, is what's worse? What's worse? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess in a way, it's worse to know because at least the last moment of your life, you're terrified. Yeah. So at least in this, the last moment of Martin, he was confident and think was under the impression that he was going to be free. Yeah. But once again, it's still heavy. I I think the episode goes in much greater detail because at least in the episode, yeah. it shows the incident with the cable. This, the, the comic does not. Yeah. Because there's no ripper. There's no combat in this. There's no combat at yeah. all. It essentially, the entire comic takes place in the, the trenches the in the colonel's office yeah. and outside with the firing squad. Yeah. Because essentially one panel goes, okay, go repair the line. The next panel, he comes back and says they were ambushed. Yeah. So um, 
it's I don't know. I, I'm gonna say if I'm Martin, mm-hmm. I'd rather have the comic ending. So at least I'm at least I'm oblivious. Yes, at least I don't have that gut punch before the bullets hit me. Right, right, right. But I mean, but I mean, both are horrible. Um, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But, um, uh, what a way to end a season. Poor Martin. <laughs> All right. Martin. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do so you think what, of the comic? Uh, it's okay. It's okay. I give it like a solid like. Uh, it's a B. I I think Jack Davis's artwork elevates it. It saves it, yes, for sure. Yeah, um, that last panel of Martin falling uh, down mm-hmm. with his smile—the narration is great. It's a B. Yeah, yeah I think it's a solid B. B yeah, it, like I just—I'm still gonna have to give the uh, the, the TV episode the nod. Mm-hmm. I would I would highly suggest if there's two episodes that the listeners watch, it's the last two episodes of the season. Yeah, spoiled. And yellow, yeah, and it's two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Just be careful, wear a neck brace. Oh yeah, the, the whiplash. whiplash might kill you. Oh yes, the whiplash might knock you out. But uh, I would say it goes from the the funniest, clever, you know, tongue yeah. in cheek, campy yeah. to this is seriously just a war drama. Yeah, you know? you know it. It's weird, but I think it's still horror. It's a different kind of horror. Yes. in the most broad it, sense of the term. It's a, but also this is 1952, so. This is real world. Yeah. Horror. Yeah. Oh yeah. At, you know. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Oof. Ooh. Anyway, so next time we're gonna have. Do you know? Well, you know what? I just want to say. Yeah. Oh, we made it through another season. We got through yeah. season three. We did it. By the way, one of the things that I failed to point out recently, we just posted went past our 40th episode without realizing it. Oh, really? This will be the 42nd episode. Hey, congratulations. Yeah, hey, yeah. You're doing great. Hey. Look at us go. Yeah, look at yeah, there we go. Fist bump. Yeah. Bam. There we are. Anyway, so, so yeah. What's next episode? Next episode is None But the Lonely Heart from Tales from the Crypt number 33. That'll be the first episode of season four. Yeah. That means we have four seasons to go. That's it. Four yep, seasons that, to go and uh, a few movies. Yep. More than a few movies, I think. Yeah. 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 We're gonna I know there's some hidden stuff that uh there was I feel like we should cover the quote unquote third movie that was not yes. a third movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the title. It was it. released straight to DVD and I cannot rem- remember the title. We are being bad super fans at the moment. Right. Right. But um, we want to uh, thank everyone for listening, for all your comments, your likes. Um, we really appreciate it. Ritual. I, I, huh? Ritual. Ritual. It's, yeah. It's the name of the third Tales from the Crypt movie. Oh, okay. Actually. Like, what? It's the fifth Tales in the Crypt movie, if you want to be technical yes. about it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, but thank you so much for all your support. We really appreciate it. We love doing this, and I am very much looking forward to season four. You know, I think, too, if we're going to talk about accolades, which, you know, we're a very, very small podcast, um, and, but we have survived longer than most podcasts um, that exist out there, right? Uh, just by the fact that we made it more than five episodes. Yeah. And yeah, we just crossed the 5,000th listen. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, we don't really look at the numbers. No, we yeah. don't. Because I, 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 I can't care about them because I'll start getting like worked up about it. Oh. Yeah. It's, to me, this is such a passion project. Yeah. It's just. Because I'll be like, oh, we're not getting a, a million listens an episode. We're failing. And we're not. <laughs> we're not. We um, have made it. We actually, when I 
uh, with uh, Spotify, you know, they have their end of the year, like how, how long you've listened. Oh yeah. They do the same thing for podcast hosts and they tell you how long, how long people have listened to it, how many people listen to it, like what you're like basically ranking is not like not your number ranking, but like what percentage you're in. And we're like in the top 5% of podcasts really just because we have just kept doing it. Oh, okay. Most of, most people just give up, right? After a few episodes, they don't, they don't get the listeners. They thought they, they think they're going to be famous instantly, or oh. they're going to be famous at all, right? And so most people just give up, or they get bored, or you know, things come up. Right. And so the fact that we have just chugged along puts us in like one of the top podcasts in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us with nothing else better to do. <laughs> uh, no, actually, it's it's been really great because we've actually gotten messages from listeners, and it's weird. There was one instance. I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, I had an electrical issue. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. With my house. I may have mentioned this in a previous episode, but um, the the guy, we recorded in my basement, mm-hmm. and uh, he was fixing an electrical issue, and he saw the mic stands, and he was like, oh, do you do a podcast? And I mentioned, he's like, we listen to that at the, at the um, like, our headquarters. Mm-hmm. Like, the boys, before we go out on jobs, we listen to it and stuff, and I was like, holy Ooh, shit. shit. <laughs> wow. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, um, really, I mean... Thank you. I had a friend say, you know, her husband had listened to it. Yeah. Right. And I said, oh, yeah, what did he say? And she goes, you cuss, cuss a lot more on the show than you do like in real life. <laughs> well, yeah. You're hanging out with your buddy. Yeah. Right. Um, now, but once again, we just really appreciate this. This has been a a, a passion project for us and I'm very excited yeah. uh, to go forward with it. Leave, uh, if you like it, if you like hearing our dulcet tones in your ears every other week. Leave a rating and review on the podcast app of your choice. We have social media. Share with a friend. And we have social media. Yes, Yes, we do. do. (laughs) Where are we? We are just all over the place today. (laughs) Uh, You can catch me at Whore Ryan on Twitter. You can also catch the show at Crypt Keepers Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I am so happy you do that because I can never remember. Uh, (laughs) uh, You can find me at Mr. Spooky Bruce. And you can find the show at Crypt Keepers Show at the gmail.com. Did we Please just say rate that? and share? With <laughs> I did your book. We, we just did that. Huh? Yeah. We, yeah, we just did that. Anyway, we're good. Are we good? I, I don't know. I think we, <laughs> <laughs> do we want to do that whole part again? No, no, we're fine. We're fine. Have we'll, fun editing we'll just keep this out, messing Bruce. it up. <laughs> it's just more for me to edit. So. Right. But Hey, and we're at an hour and a half almost. Really? So, yeah. You know, you're going to cut like at least 40 minutes. of this. Oh time. yeah. Always do. For sure. Uh, <laughs> um, but Hey, Until next time. See you soon, kitties. (laughs) What the fuck?